The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio, a great program. We haven't even done the show, and I know it's going to be a great program. We're all set and ready to talk about some interesting things. What? All right. If you don't think it's a great program, yeah. by the end of these two hours, call in. Yeah, complain. Give us, give us some constructive criticism. No, the best part, best part will be that we'll be gone after the, you know, well, after no, the Call show's in done. like, you know, 10 minutes to two <laughs> no. and say, I like Dr. Weefald, but Dave's got to go. Yeah, that's happened. Listen, <laughs> we're going to talk about a uh, California teacher who was doing a read-aloud, and she took off her mask, and then half the class got sick. But, you know, the key thing is, she was sick, and she she should have known it. Yeah. And something I want to tell you, it's not always just allergies when you have the sniffles. Yeah. So if you have a history of allergies, and you got the sniffles, think, because it could be COVID. We're going to talk about her. Duke University has come through with a test for T-cells. And one of the themes of this of this program has been antibodies may not be the way to find out if you're immune. Because you've got antibodies and you've got T-cells. I asked my doctor for an antibody test right. when I was potentially sick with COVID. Right. And he said, no, 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 it doesn't make any difference. Shouldn't well, I think that it. antibody tests are useful. Yeah. For example, if you wonder whether you have, you know, that illness you had a year ago that mm-hmm. you just thought was the sniffles. Yeah. Could have been COVID. And so get your antibodies tested and you'll find out. But I think one of the things that if you listen to this show. Right. There's two things that you should come away with. Inflammation yeah. kills. Yes. And the second thing is, don't forget the T-cells. Okay. It's tea time. So don't become inflamed. Yeah. And it's not all about the antibodies. It's not all about the antibodies. Because your body has something secret called the T-cells. Well, it ain't a secret. And there are other things that show T-cells matter because we'll talk about completely unrelated vaccines that have been shown to protect you against COVID. Excellent. Unrelated idea. vaccines. And why very is that? Good. We'll talk about that. There is a uh, fellow who is a very famous podcaster. He does radio without a transmitter. I don't know how he does it. Doesn't matter. He just does. His name is Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's been featured here when he said, essentially, you know, if you're a young person and you're in shape, you're eating right, you don't have a disease. Maybe you don't have to worry about this. Thing. Okay. And, you know, I think it's reasonable to say that. Right. Um, he got hammered for that. But, you know, it's a free country. It's free speech. All right. Now, guess yeah. what happened to him? He got COVID. Yeah. Now, he did. He has not said whether he's 
gotten a shot. But, you know, honestly, he was he was in a position a lot of people were in. Once he got a diagnosis, he just he just went to town with his doctors. Turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Now, I'm having a hard time finding any news articles that deal with this, that don't all of a sudden treat him like an idiot for taking ivermectin. I don't think he was an idiot. Um Okay, what are you hearing now? You're hearing all these people who are getting the horse paste. Right. You know, ivermectin right. is against, you know, bad infections with nasty things. Is it really a horse dewormer? It is also a human dewormer. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so the point is, you know, you, you read these things and you think, boy, these people are just idiots. Yeah. And they listen to idiots and they go into the barn and they get this paste and they chug it down. You don't chug paste. What do you do? I don't know. Eat paste, okay? And, you know, <laughs> well, the bottom. A lot of the kids yeah. I went to elementary school did, yes. Really? Yeah, they ate that, paste. His name is Hi, uh, Herman, right? <laughs> I don't know. Herman's the guy who eats paste. <laughs> right. But anyway, I mean, okay, let's talk about, I mean, is there any evidence for ivermectin? And the answer is yes. So okay. if, if, if you want to look. And the American Journal of Therapeutics in May of 2021, I mean, ivermectin has been studied. And there are many, many studies, uh, 18 randomized controlled trials. And there were statistically significant reductions in mortality, time to recovery, and time to viral clearance. Now, there were other studies that didn't show that. But guess what? The studies didn't show harm when taken at an appropriate dose. So if you're gonna, if you're a farmer, or if you're not a farmer, I mean, if you live next to a a horse farm or something, we had ivermectin in our in our barns, Uh and you know it tasted good. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And so if you're gonna think about ivermectin, remember all those people who are telling you that it's worthless, it's dangerous. Um, that you're crazy for eating horse paste. Remember, it has been studied in COVID, and it's still being studied in COVID. And I don't think that the ultimate um, study has come out. But you can say 18 randomized controlled treatments did show um, efficacy of ivermectin. So, you know, and now, uh, what's this guy? This Oklahoma emergency room doc, he gets on his soapbox and says, this is what he says. I got so many ivermectin overdoses that I can't treat somebody who's been shot. Oh, really? I mean, come on. Is that even possible? No. I mean, think about it. When no. you see a headline like that, you got to think to yourself, okay, how bad's the hospital got to get? Where you put a gunshot victim in the corner right. and say, Put pressure over your wound. I got somebody who ate horse paste that goes first. <laughs> okay. All right. The, when you say it that way, right. it sounds illogical. And like so it didn't happen. Remember, all these crazy stories. We have an, another word, another phrase on this show. If you go away, remember, these crazy stories are clickbait. Now, what is clickbait? Yeah. Uh, it could be um, a very good thing to remember that it, they, 
people put crazy story headlines so that you click on the article. And what's the first thing you see? Okay? The first thing you see is a commercial, an advertisement. And the other thing, do, do you notice this on your phone when you're cruising through, you know, news feeds, that you get this added advertisement for something you just clicked on? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so I shop on Amazon. And then next thing you know, I mean, I was looking at, you know, gas-powered nose pickers. Amen. And yes. I get a commercial. I mean, Wait a, a commercial, minute. Gas-powered? What? Gas-powered? Gas-powered nose pickers. How many horsepower? <laughs> right, nose go, power. Go ahead. Go but ahead. It, we're talking about horse uh, pace. We might as well talk about, you know, yeah, horsepower yeah. things. But anyway, um, it's silly today. <laughs> uh, it's just amazing. So remember, if you don't want to be fooled. Right. Don't fall for clickbait. I mean, this crazy idiot emergency room doctor is a crazy idiot. If somebody's shot and somebody's in the corner who ate horse paste, you're going to take the gunshot victim first. Sure, unless he just got winged. Right. right? And and if you believe in all this stuff, yes, if you you push an entire – you know, the, the, the things look, you know, um, caulk guns, mm-hmm. okay? It's mm-hmm. a caulk gun, but it has ivermectin in it. Oh, okay. If you take the whole thing, you're going to get poisoned, <laughs> okay? Yes. But if you go to a physician, and, you know, they're, they're kicking physicians out of hospitals. They're kicking physicians out of uh, the medical board is going after them for prescribing ivermectin. I wish they would do that to me. Now, I'm not prescribing uh. ivermectin. But I don't. The medical board wouldn't do it. Suppose you know some organization wanted to throw me out because I was you know promoting ivermectin. Suppose somebody wants to throw me out for saying that there are these studies that show ivermectin seems to work. I would sue them. Yeah. Because it's a free country. Well, no, it's not anymore. It's not. Well, it's not a free country for doctors. No. It's not a free license for doctors. They can take your license away if they want to, and you have no recourse. I have a sort of a overall frustration with the entire system now where if someone mildly well-known, very well-known, says, you know, I took this thing for this disease. Right. Everybody and their sister gets to argue about it. Right. Right? I hate to tell, you know, the nattering nabobs on Twitter oh, about this. Who said that? Nattering nabobs of negativism. Who who said that? Spiro Agnew. Spiro T. Agnew. I hate to hate to ruin their day, but you've got nothing to do right. with the medicine I take. Right. I take several medicines right. for several things. We've talked about them here, mm-hmm. but we talk about them gently. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets to say, you know, Dave, you're taking insulin for uh for that and you really shouldn't be right you should be managing your diabetes without insulin and blah 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 you're not his doctor it's me right i'm in charge right now this fellow joe rogan said he threw the kitchen sink at it means he probably said to the doctor Mm -hmm. listen whatever you got give it to me and one of the things was ivermectin now i think that was okay because i mean i'm sure you can't just get this. You can't get horse paste either. You know, that's a prescription drug that has to be given by a vet. Right. Um, he could have gotten it, I guess, by stealing it from somebody, but that's illegal. Um, you can be prescribed by a physician ivermectin. And there is evidence 
uh, people say it's not conclusive, that it will help you. Now, I am telling everybody out there, if you have COVID and you want ivermectin, go to a physician. Right. I doubt that he or she would prescribe it. You know why? Because? Fear of the consequences. Right. You know, and and it's gotten to the point now where we don't believe science anymore when it comes to medicines for COVID. Uh, Don Lemon and Cuomo get on there. Remember Cuomo said that Trump was poisoning himself? Right, right. And that Trump got people to drink bleach. You know how many people died of drinking bleach for COVID? I don't COVID? think anybody did. Four. Four? Four. And he never even said drink bleach. No, he didn't. He turned to his experts <laughs> And said, if bleach works for getting rid of it on getting rid of COVID on the uh, counter, mm-hmm. will it work inside the body? And they said, no. All right. He never said, all right, boys, go out and, and girls, go out and drink bleach. But here's the thing. Again, as I've said, if you're taking your medical advice, mm-hmm. either from a blogger or a New York City yeah. uh, uh, real estate mogul, right. you're you're really in trouble. Right. You've exhausted all your other right. possibilities. Now, there are quack doctors out there. Yes. But remember, when you have a doctor who owns an internet site and who owns a vitamin company, yeah. and he or she tells you to take my vitamins yep. and you'll be cured, don't believe them, please. Okay, we Just are going to talk. It's not in my notes, but I know that you wanted me to to uh, print out something. I've got it for you. Oh, what's about that? vitamin K. Yes. We'll talk about vitamin K Oh, my today. gosh. Vitamin K, 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 K. We'll talk about breakthrough COVID. Is it actually happening as much as you're hearing? And Duke University with a, a test for something called T-cells. Which my alma be- mater has come through. <laughs> come Good. through. That's great. Yes. That's all coming up on Heart Health Radio. We do have some people who belong in the shame category. We'll talk about Don Lemon from CNN in just a moment. But Tom in Raleigh joins us live on the radio. Tom, welcome to the show. You're on Heart Health Radio. Hey, good afternoon. I know you're fixing to talk about vitamin K2. Yeah, but let me it's tell okay. you a secret about vitamin K2. I had a kidney stone back in 2015, and they say if you get one, there's an 80% chance you'll get another one in the next five years. The doctor told me to take vitamin K2, 5 milligrams, uh-huh. vitamin D3, 5,000 milligrams. Here it is, what, six years, and knock on wood, I've not had a kidney stone. Good wow. You. Well, uh, you know what? I have never heard of vitamin K for kidney stones. Tell me about that. Uh, how much did you take? Where did you find it? I get it at... Um, on Walmart.com is through Carlson Labs, or uh-huh. I get it at Rio in Smithfield. Uh-huh. Uh, but Carlson Labs is the manufacturer of the okay. vitamin K2 5 milligrams. Yep. And well, here, here's the thing. Or just top it in the computer. Yeah, I just looked on Havid Health, okay, on the, on the internet, and it is true. Um, vitamin K2 helps calcium go where it belongs. So Havid says it's a good idea. Huh. So these are, cal- did they, let me ask you something, because this was something we used to do back in the 80s and 90s when I was in training. We used to ask people to bring the stone in. In yeah. other words, capture, filter out. Yes. Because we, if uric acid stones, for example, those are type uh, of stones. Uh, uric acid is too high in gout, but also in certain kidney stones then we would prescribe one medication. If it was a certain type of calcium stone, we would prescribe one of two 
mm-hmm. diuretics. Did they ever do that for you, analyze your stone? Um, I can't remember. Like I said, it's been six years ago. It, 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 I, I had the stone that most people get, whatever you call it. I, I can't remember. Okay, calcium oxalate or cal- yes, sir, yeah, that's it. calcium. That's calcium it. stone. All right, well, this is what Havid says. It says that if you take vitamin K, you can actually reduce your risk of kidney stone. So you taught me something. Now here's the problem I have yeah. with all these vitamin K, you know, promotions, is that vitamin K in high doses can hurt you. Okay, people um, uh, could have to understand that it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so it can build up to toxic levels. So if you hear this on the radio, please don't do it unless you talk to your physician. And please don't think if one pill is good, that 20 are better, because you can kill yourself. Now, Dave, I'm going to quiz you. Yes. Who are the people who should not take vitamin K? I have no idea. People who are on warfarin, okay? So if you're on this particular anticoagulant, that people think of as blood thinners. Okay, so it's atrial fibrillation. You have an artificial heart valve. Okay. And you're taking warfarin, uh, otherwise, a.k.a. Coumadin. That's the brand name. Yeah. Um, it's vitamin K dependent. So what warfarin does is it inhibits the proteins that cause clotting that depend on vitamin K. So if you're on warfarin and have kidney stones, do not take vitamin K. Uh, you don't even have to ask your doctor about that. Um, but if you have did. kidney yeah. stones, uh, it might be a good idea, but run it by he or she, your physician, first. That's really fascinating. You get the gold star for teaching me something. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Have a good day. You yeah, too. you too. Marie in Raleigh. Hi, Uh-oh, Marie. oh it's Marie. Hey there. How hey are there. you? I thought you did a big. I'm fine. Hope you, I think y'all sound really cheerful today. Okay, that's good news. We are that's cheerful. That's what we need. Thank that's you. That's what we need. I have uh, drugs here I want to ask you about. Sure. I guess I'm pronouncing it right. Gabapentin. Gabapentin. Oh, yeah. Very famous drug. Okay. The, um, if, if you take Gabapentin, the original brand name was Neurontin. Okay. Uh-huh. And what do you want to know about it, Marie? What I was taking, it just didn't help me sleeping, and she uh, put me on this. Okay, so it was for sleeping. Did you uh, did you have yeah. did you have leg pain when you were sleeping that was waking you up? Is that it? Uh, no, huh. I, I just couldn't get to sleep at night. I well, that's an unusual. Yeah, that's an unusual thing for sleeping. Um, what gabapentin is originally for, Dave? Mm-hmm. You can tell me. Oh, it's. Uh, uh, Originally anti-seizure. Four. Yes. Yeah, Where did you go to med school? Uh, <laughs> State University of New York College at Oswego. Okay. He knows everything you told him. Well, I, in two years, he has gotten the Weefy residency. <laughs> but I also take this. Oh, never mind. And, and I will tell you that what happens when I take and uh, I've run out and I just haven't had it refilled because it's and, an optional thing. And your legs start to burn and ache. No, not really. I, hmm? I, I'm good. I'm okay. good. But what? But it was originally prescribed to me because of my um, uh, neuropathy. Neuropathy, burning okay. legs, right. burning feet from your diabetes. Marie, I would take. They would say take one to three doses, or one to three pills, and I would just go ahead and take three. 
And? And it would take them at bedtime. And? It's also one of those medicines with a thing on it, with a warning it on it. It may make you drowsy. may make you drowsy. And did it? No, oh. not with me. It's it not did working. with me. What have you tried for sleep? Do you know uh, any of the names the, of medicines? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I can't I think I, I gave you uh, Tamazepam or Restoril once, didn't I? Uh, let's see. I don't have that in here with me. Yeah. But it, you said it was antidepressant. Okay. That people are... Yeah, amitriptyline is another medicine, Elevil, uh-huh. that some people take for sleeping. Um, the major ones are like Valium, but more refined. Uh-huh. And so, Tamazepam, uh, let's see, uh, Ambien, yeah. less so. Ambien okay. is a popular uh-huh. one. Um, and, you know, they all basically work like Valium, uh, but some are... Really um, high potency. They yeah. work really well, stronger than Valium. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different things to help you sleep. And it's really hard to know when to start taking them or when to do the non-pharmacologic uh, things to help you sleep. Let me tell you, if you're having trouble sleeping, yeah. I would, uh, and I, I think this is a good idea, is try exercise during the day first. Try not watching TV, you know. Um, try having a dark room. Try having white noise, um, a hot bath. All those things to relax you before you go to meds. I, I, you know, this sounds like the people's pharmacy, okay? But I'm going to tell you, um, dependence upon these type of sleep aids can be real. And it mm-hmm. can be the point where you can't sleep without it. And there are times we use the short term. Right. So when my brother died, I mean, I couldn't sleep. My mind would not shut down. Right. So I took Tamazepam for about two weeks to get my, you know, sleep things back in order. Well, let's get back to Marie's question. I, I don't, I have never prescribed gabapentin for sleep, ever. Well, no. another thing, I don't know if it's all this stuff going on, but it seems like it's causing me to have more anxiety. Really? And, and I'm on 300 uh, milligrams a night. She told Marie, me, Marie we've got to take a break, and we're going to pick up with you right after Hang on this. there. Don't go away. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. And we've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News joining us. Hi, Rose. How you doing? Good, fellas. How are you? Good. I am good. Happy, uh, well, not happy, but enjoy your three-day weekend. I know. Are you at the it's beach? So... No, no, no. I'm home and uh, just trying to get the, the garden ready for the fall. Oh, the gardener. Good for you. What's the right, name of that so show? I've the Weekend Gardener? Starts and broccoli so you're putting in broccoli yeah yeah yeah. how do you grow broccoli is it from a seed or a little plant that you put in i get i get the little plants um and grow them and it is the easiest thing broccoli and lettuce are super easy to grow and they will grow long long into the year into december what about asparagus do you ever grow asparagus (laughs) we used to call it asparagus it is so hard to grow really Oh my gosh! You have to you have to dig a trench. It's eighteen inches deep. Lay the 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 roots or whatever it is, the crowns that you buy, uh-huh. and then you have to put you know beautiful composty, gorgeous soil, and then keep it completely weed free. Wow! Yeah. And then wait 
three years to harvest. Did you ever eat white asparagus? Have you ever heard I of that? Have. Yeah. I have. As they grow, apparently, you pile dirt around them and they they come out white. A medical yeah, thing with asparagus. Yeah. Dave, do you <laughs> eat asparagus? No. Well, one of the things wait, that there's wait, a gene. Which one is asparagus? Asparagus, those long things with the little uh, crowns on the head. Yeah, my, my kids make me eat them. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, but it, it, there are certain people, when you eat asparagus and then you go to the bathroom, it stinks. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. number one. And that is a genetic really? thing. Yeah. Yes, it's asparagus pee. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. listen, enough of the weekend gardener. <laughs> What's going on with your, uh, with your uh, knowledge uh, and wonderful expertise in health? Well, I mean, we could talk about COVID. Yeah, let's uh, talk about it because I got some interesting things to ask you. Still the topic this week, right? Yeah, let me let me tell you. What do you think? This is quiz the rose. What do you think the death rate in New York City was at the beginning of the pandemic when all that bad stuff was happening? What do you think the death rate was? With yeah. the, with the, I mean, what do you mean by the rate? Like okay, the rate so the of, death, like what deaths of, per number of cases. Died or what number yeah, deaths of, per number of cases in New York. What was it? Probably like what? One it was 10%. Was it 10%? It was 10%. So if you look at... You know, they're saying, oh, our case numbers were lower in New York. And, and now, you know, with that winter surge, it was twice as high. Guess what the death rate in New York is right now? Probably like one, uh, 0.3 or something. 0.5. You got it right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, think about it. We've gone yeah. um, from 10%. We've cut it by 120th. Right. And well, think about think about yeah. the difference. Like yeah. back in back at last so March, April 2020 because one of my best friends lives right near Elmhurst Hospital. Okay. And that I was the worst. Said, that was that was where it was really bad. It was really bad. Yeah. She said that for about and this is somebody that I know from Doctors Without Borders. So this is somebody who is like pretty unflappable. She said that it was um, the the sound of sirens was constant for about six weeks, ah. and she said the entire neighborhood just felt heavy. Wow. Um, so, but who was getting sick then? It was first off we had we had no knowledge, so there was lots and lots of people just you know sort of like getting sick. Um, it was all the folks, you know, it was everybody who was susceptible. Lots of older people. Yeah. Because there was no vaccination uh-huh. and no treatment. Like, people were like, we don't know what to do. And so they were like, oh, we're going to put everybody on a vent. Now we know that high-flow oxygen works better than a ventilator. Um, you know, so it was a learning curve. There was a learning curve for all those physicians. And now we know, um, turns out remdesivir is not the greatest thing. Um, it, you know, it's, it's all these things like we know sort of like if you're coming really early, now you can get monoclonal antibodies. If you're a little later, I think you get remdesivir then. If you're later than that and you're pretty sick already, then you get dexamethasone. Um, right. So that's so we have treatments. We know that about high flow oxygen rather than ventilation, like ventilation is ventilation and ECMO are the you know last resource. Yep. We and used to then, put them on the um, vent right away. Right away, when their oxygen level was low, I think right. that killed a lot of people. 
honestly. Well, yeah, and you know what was where what that was informed from because uh, oh, I'm not blaming I'm not blaming anybody. Yeah. No, I no, mean, we didn't no. know, and we that's I think too. yeah, modern that's medicine. It. Okay, you want to yeah go. I'm sorry. I was just going to say you know because my um, my neighbor is a pulmonologist at, at at UNC. Great. And so when it first happened, he was like. He directed me toward a uh, conversation. It was a podcast. It was a conversation with several doctors from northern Italy, and they were like, "Of course, they got it were you know worse first. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, you know, we put everybody on a ventilator. That seemed to do the trick." Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as time went on, we learned. You know, it's just it's been this thing about learning, and it's, yeah. it's really been. Well, I, the, brutal. I mean, it's been brutal. It's been brutal yeah. on healthcare workers. It's been, yeah. been a rough year. Well, let me, let me make a point, too, about, you know, dropping this death rate in New York from 10% to 0.5. And we never got that high in North Carolina. I just calculated it was 4.5% mm-hmm. in the beginning. We are now 0.6%. I think that's within limits of error. So we're all over the country. Uh, one in 100. No, so it's one in 200 uh, mm-hmm. cases uh, result in death. Um, and I think, remember in the beginning, this is a viral illness, we can't give immunosuppressants. And I think that that's one of the major ways that we messed up. Because we should have known from influenza that it is the inflammation in response to fighting off the virus that it killed people. And I think one of the things that we should have done earlier was give steroids. And that's turned out Probably, to yeah. be the mm-hmm. primary thing is um, non-ventilator uh, uh, breathing. Yeah. So a, right. a CPAP mask or high-flow oxygen and then steroids. And then the other thing was, if you well, look— Well, do you remember, do you remember, Dr. Weefold, there was this thing about, like, there was all this uh, confounding data coming out of France. Yeah. Um, and there was, there was like, oh, we can't give— uh, ibuprofen and not right. steroidal antibiotics. That was a complete false thing. We we went after that right. in the Hall of Shame. Even with the vaccines, they said don't take ibuprofen if you got right. the vaccine. That's just dumb. I, I'm sounding like no, Joe Rogan now, that, right? That was a dumb. big mistake too. Right? Yeah. Because you yeah. know. And I think that one of the things that that Dave and I talked about that even before COVID came out. So our show started. It was the fall. Yeah. And I was big on influenza then. Remember that? Sure. We even talked about everything. And I brought up a treatment for influenza in 1918 that worked, and that was blood transfusions. Right. They right. had no idea why they were doing a blood transfusion, <laughs> but they right. did. And it saved a lot of lives. And it turns out it was the convalescent antibodies um, from some people. And I should make this clear that they were taking blood from people who had survived yes. influenza, oh, which sure. was 18 million dead that year, and giving it to people who were still sick. Oh, and and what did we go to? Convalescent plasma first, and now the antibodies that are produced in the lab. And there's a new combination, a dual combination, that mm-hmm. if they're now testing, and I think they should just go ahead and do this. Honestly, I'm gonna yeah. go against medical advice. You should just do it because it's not harmful. And if you're exposed, get the antibody hmm. because it'll re- once you're exposed, it'll reduce your risk of, of developing it. 
And Although there's now been recommendations to avoid convalescent plasma mm-hmm. and go straight for the the monoclonal antibodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although there was a fascinating paper, and I can't remember if I talked to you about Do you listen to This Week in Virology? This um, Week in Virology. This week? I missed no, that one. I mean, I, was, I, I watched Annie Griffith instead of that. So, <laughs> Sorry. You know. It is so good. It is, it is, and they, they parsed a study. Um, I mean, it was just, it's fascinating. So they're, they're, they were talking about convalescent, um, Plasma. Four weeks ago, they were talking about convalescent plasma versus and uh, monoclonals. I mean, it's 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 very interesting stuff. It's uh, you, you really have to hang in. Okay, so I, I'm going to make a recommendation. Week. Okay, real quick: yes. whole blood transfusions from survivors, and okay. you know why? Why the white blood cells, the T cells? I'll bet. Okay, you heard it here first, Rose. Yeah. Yeah, okay, somebody's going to study this, and I I'm think sure that the will. survivors yeah. should give whole blood and the reason is we've been focused too much on antibodies yeah and not enough on killer t-cells all right we've got to leave it there oh okay but you heard it here first rose so when it happens we're going to have a celebration okay and rose has got a good article on the remembrances surrounding the opioid epidemic anybody remember that oh yeah that oh my gosh you know what i mean this is the kind of thing that it's kind of fallen by the wayside because of the COVID thing. Yeah. But we'll, it's like on the website. People in 2020 in North Carolina. How many? Well, depending, like the state, the state uh, thinks it's about 2,300. Oh, wow. But um, because of underreporting, because uh-huh. so many of them don't get reported, it's uh-huh. probably closer to 3,000. That's terrible. Is what the estimate yeah. is. Just All right. Rose, thank you very you have much. Have a great weekend. All right. Take care. Marie who, if she hadn't fallen asleep yet... No, I'm might, awake. Might, in fact... This have, was really good. Why are you yeah. saying that? No, all right, sorry. Go ahead. Gosh. Well, let me say one thing. Not we fall. You yeah. had me on transodone. And, yeah, uh, Did that help? For a long time. Yeah. And then... Um, it was 100, well, it was 150 milligrams. Yeah, I bumped I up your dose. I couldn't go to sleep with mm. it at night. And so uh, I would reach over and get a half of another one, and I would fall mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm-hmm. But my doctor is afraid that if she went up on it, I might would fall on right at help at night. Well, that's possible. Any of the sleep aids that we have um, can, can have reactions of sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. And sleepwalking was really bad with Ambien. Um, uh, Patrick Kennedy, you remember him? He was yes. a the son of uh, Edward Kennedy, and he was an, using Ambien because he has insomnia, and he mixed it with a little bit of alcohol sometimes, and he was, he was sleep driving. They caught him roaming the streets in his car of D.C., yeah. um, driving around and had no recollection. Now, let me, let me tell you this. I, I wish they hadn't taken this off the market. It was called Halcyon. Do you remember that? Yeah. 0.25 milligram. And the thing about Halcyon was that you got a really, really high level right away. Yeah. And then within three hours, it's out of your system. And the people who were abusing Halcyon had a lot of problems. And sleepwalking was one of them. So they took it off the market for a while, but guess what? It's on the market again, but they don't advertise it. Oh, really? Really? So, and it, it was also prescribed for jet lag. 
Okay, so you would you would um, fly to Paris, sure, and it would be daytime when it was your nighttime, and you would stay awake until about six or seven and take a halcyon and put you right to sleep, and then you would wake up the next day and you'd be back in their time zone, and so you know that's one thing, but Maria, it's really hard to get. I don't know what to tell you. Talk to your doctor about it. Maybe they can try different things. I when when you talked about it, I looked up gabapentin. Yeah. And it does something called delta wave sleep and and a lot of neurologists are recommending it as a first line. Huh. After trazodone, which is an uh, antidepressant which has no side effects. Yeah. Uh, it's not addictive either. That's another big thing. Well, Benzodiazepines are addictive. Yeah. She said that uh, it really works for her. Yeah, for a lot of people. I took it once and it, I was awake all night. Uh, seriously. Really? Yeah, it just worked the opposite for me. Um, and so gabapentin is now prescribed by a lot of neurologists because it gets you into this thing called delta wave sleep, which is really calming. Mm-hmm. And also it's good for people who are anxious when they go to bed. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, great. but like any medicine, it works for some, not for others. Yeah. Marie, we've got to run. Love you. Okay. Say right. hi to your hubby. How's he doing? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. She didn't hear me about that. Her hubby was also my patient. Tom Great in people. Raleigh, welcome to the radio program. How you doing, Tom? Hey, um, I had called a while ago, and um, I had a couple of questions uh, come to mind. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the first one is, uh, with the gabapentin, um, actually, when my dog was in pain, uh, had surgery, yeah. they actually gave my dog gabapentin. But my question is, um, I don't have a heart doctor, and so I went to you, Dr. Weasel, and say I needed a stent put in, like at Wake Med or Red. Uh-huh. Would they call you to the hospital if— Well, let me, let me tell—yeah, that's a good question. Or would it be the doctor at the hospital doing all that? I was at Wake Med from 99 until 2015. I am now in the office only, but I work with an incredible group of guys— at Cary Cardiology. And so I am not in the hospital. So what do I do? You come to see me having chest discomfort. I sit there for 20 minutes and I get you, I drag out your story. What does it feel like? When does it come on? What makes it go away? And then I do some tests to see what it is. And if I believe you need to have a heart catheterization, I send you to one of, well, I send them to the people at Cary Cardiology, Dr. Maycumber, Josh Maycumber, Dr. Madia Saeed, Dr. Shaw, and they take over and do the procedure. And if you need a stent, they put it in. Uh, these guys uh, are rated in the top 10 of all the interventional, that's what we call them, interventionalist. Yeah. And so you get a good deal. And then what do you do? You come back to me. And why is that? Because the procedure isn't a cure. The procedure, bypass surgery or stents or pacemakers, are a uh, situation or a procedure that stabilizes you. Mm-hmm. And then what do I do? I work my butt off to keep it from happening again. Yeah. And so you have the best of both worlds. And let me tell you another thing. When I went to the hospital and did my procedures, I realize now, you know what? I had a bias. Mm-hmm. I had a bias ascending to the cath lab. Why? Because I did it. And, and I was the best, right? I mean, that's what I thought. Sure. And so what they found, and this is true with me, is that we have a lot of evidence now. In fact, it's not recommended that you get a stent if your angina is stable. And if it's improving on medical therapy, 
Um, back in the day, we had what's called the oculo balloon reflex. You mm. see a blockage, you open it up. And what we know now is that's not really a good idea. Six months, they did a study, six months, okay? Yeah. You had angina, uh, you were, had chest discomfort, you had a positive stress test, and you weren't on meds. So they randomized them to get a stent in that blockage, or if you had one too, to just go on aggressive medical therapy. Now, the people who got a stent did better within 30 days, right. but at six months, no difference. And the rate of heart attack, higher or lower in a stent? Higher or lower? Yeah. Higher. Can I ask one last oh. question? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was bloviating again. I got you. Um, at nighttime, sometimes I'll get cramps in the, in the back of my leg. I yeah. mean, it hurts me so bad. I've been taking potassium. How do I know that that's not a blood clot? I mean, it yeah. hurts so bad. You need to go. I would recommend that you see a cardiologist or a vascular specialist. And there are two tests they'll do right off the bat. One is they'll put some blood pressure cuffs on your legs down by your ankle and by your knee. And they will measure the blood flow and the blood pressures. Those are called ankle brachial indices. And that will tell you um, if the blood flow is restricted and you have what's called PAD or peripheral arterial disease. The other thing, if it's swollen, they will do an ultrasound on the veins. Because there's two things that could go on with your veins. Now, the arteries carry the red blood down to your leg very quickly. And there are about 10 veins that bring it back um, up to your heart. And you can clot those veins if you've been sitting around a lot or if you have a predisposition to clotting. Um, or your veins as you get older, or even when you're not old, they can start to let blood flow backwards so that instead of it just going toward the heart, the valves that control the flow of blood, then your veins have valves, yeah. they can start to get flabby and the blood can flow in two directions and make your legs swell. So I would, with your symptoms, cramping could be muscular. Um, it could be neuromuscular. You could have what's called restless legs. You could have a neuropathy. You could have a clot in your vein. Or you can have decreased blood flow from the arteries being blocked. So get it checked out. I really recommend it. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Hey, you take care. Call us anytime. It's a great question. Tom, thank you very much. Telephone number, by the way, if you want to call this program, 919 919- Eight six zero nine seven eight three. I don't think I mentioned that number at all this hour. Oh, and really? The phones have been ringing. Oh. It's a good thing. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. If you're listening outside the Raleigh area, only call between noon and two on Saturday. But if you call between noon and two on Saturday, you'll get us. Yes, that's the way to way to do yes. it. Yes, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things that we hadn't uh, honestly we shoved to the side because of the phone calls. Duke they are. A, they should be shoved to the side oh, yeah, for yeah. phone calls. You know, when we got somebody in the waiting room, we go yeah. take them. We're going to talk about a California teacher uh, who uh, took the mask off uh, and got the student sick. That's coming and, up next. And, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, what? And what else? What Masks have been studied. Remember, they always say there's no studies about masks. Yeah. There's a good study out. And we'll okay. tell you whether they work or not. Sounds good. This is Heart Health Radio. Well. You know you make me wanna Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Who are we shouting out? Candace Owens. Now, my liberal friends on the show have sometimes put some really nasty comments on my reviews about me bashing liberals. Um, I'd just like you to know 
that Candace Owens is a really diehard conservative. Um, she's black, and so uh, a lot of people don't like her because she's, I think, people think that if you're black, you're supposed to be a liberal, but that's not true. Hmm. Anyway, she has said some things that I disagree with vehemently, um, questioning the value of the vaccine, um, and in some ways even questioning whether we should take COVID seriously. Well, guess what? She was following the science. She got uh, exposed, and she went to a place to get a COVID vaccine. And guess what? what? It was in Colorado. They refused to um, test her. I didn't mean vaccine. She she got exposed. And right. She went to get a COVID test in Colorado, and the clinic refused to test her. And And what did they say? Aspen Laboratories co-founder Susanna Lee, that her... Uh, said she wrote a letter even yeah. that her booking was canceled and she would deny be denied service because first her aversion to mask mandates and she analyzed in her own way whether the shots were effective. Now that to me is just terrible because of her opinions yeah. on masks. Because of politics, they canceled her appointment to get a COVID test. Yeah. And so the bottom line I'm trying to say is, you can't do this. Come on. I mean, and, and you talk about, you know, me being a conservative and, and bashing liberals. Well, this is the ultimate liberal bashing a conservative. And I mean bashing by telling her that her opinions are so bad that we're not even going to provide medical care to you. And what, what did she say? She said, this is not about health anymore. And this is a quote. Okay. Yeah. These what? people are sadistic. Okay. Oh and I believe gosh. that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. And so All shout right. out to Candace, uh, not necessarily for your political views, but for standing up for our rights as patients. Okay. Now, you know, you remember the Michael Flynn story. Yeah. General Michael Flynn. Um, and, uh, you know, he may or may not have said something or done something that was inappropriate at one time or another. Sure. He got dropped by his bank. Oh, my God. He got dropped by his bank, and they literally said they didn't want to do business with him because it could reflect poorly on them as an institution. Lord have mercy. Now. The cancel culture. It is worse than cancel culture because if they they canceled, they were going to cancel his bank account. Were they going to take him, his money? No, they were going to okay. give him back the money and give okay. him back the card, you know, or, or cut up the card. Uh-huh. It, it, but the idea that you can't do business, you know, in the public sure. square, if you said something controversial, yeah. is awfully scary to me, yeah. partly because we sometimes say things that are controversial. Well, no, I can tell you right now, yeah. um, controversial. Yeah. I don't think we've ever gone off the wall, have we? Yes, we okay. have. This is Heart Health Radio. <laughs> Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area.
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio, where you can... Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Dr. Weefall, hello. Hello. It's our second hour. We are uh, ready for your phone call, 919-860-9783. And we've got Debbie in Pittsburgh who just dialed in late in the last hour. I'm so glad you held on. Hi, Debbie. Okay. I do have a question. Sure. Uh, yes. Today I re- received in the mail from my long-term uh, care company offering the medical screening, the lifeline screening as health-related product. And um, it's usually, and I've gotten these before, that's $149, but they're actually offering it um, at yeah. no cost. I, Debbie, you Debbie know, tell me, please. Well, hold yeah. on, Debbie. Tell me, please, what kind of screening it is again? It's uh, normally the five screening, the um, cholesterol screening for artery screening. Cholesterol screening, screening. Mm-hmm. Um, the abdominal um, aneurysm, oh okay, yeah, arterial, mm-hmm. you know, disease and osteoporosis. Okay, the screening test for yeah. an abdominal aortic aneurysm for cholesterol and for osteoporosis is that what you're asking? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so they're all good. I mean, really good. Uh, Medicare pays uh, if you're a smoker only to get an ultrasound of the abdominal aorta, the big pipe in your abdomen that carries blood to your gut and your legs and your reproductive system because it can enlarge. And what happens is the connective tissue that keep the walls of the artery um, strong can sometimes get loose, smokers especially, people with a family history. Yeah, have you had your screen yet? No. Get it. And it's very simple. They put an ultrasound probe. It makes really high-pitched sound. You can't hear it. Dogs can't hear it. But when it reflects back, the computer can create an image. Sure. And it can tell you how big your aorta is. So in in normal-sized people, uh, 3.0 centimeters is the normal size of an aorta. You have to adjust it for how big the person is, male or female. Now, cholesterol screening, wonderful. Um, but don't go just for the total cholesterol because you're a woman and you could have a very high HDL um, or high density lipoprotein that uh, will show up as the total and then you might have a high total and you might think, oh my gosh, the LDL, which is the low density lipoprotein, the bad cholesterol, that's what we measure to know your risk. And I think that's even more important than the HDL. I definitely think so because it's been shown if you have heart disease or uh, other vascular collections of cholesterol and you get the LDL down really low yeah. and it, there's no lower limit, um, they go away where they stabilize and then eventually go away. You can clear them up. And so if you're going to do cholesterol screening, it has to be, in my opinion, the total cholesterol, the triglycerides, the LDL, and the HDL. Now, don't be fooled. Uh, There may be some people who say, well, your LDL is high, but your HDL is high, so don't worry about it. That's been shown to be false. If you have heart disease or at risk for heart disease, 
um, and your LDL is higher than it should be, uh, get it treated. Um, I think that if you're healthy and 26 years old, there are some people who recommend that you treat a high LDL. I'm not so sure that's true. I don't think the data is there. Now, osteoporosis, extremely important, especially in women, but also men. Men aren't getting screened. Uh, My dad had really bad osteoporosis and affected his back, and he got what's called kyphosis, where your back becomes hunched over. Oh, yeah. And he was hunched over like a vulture at the end with his head sticking up and the back in a curve. I mean, it was curved to, to 90 degrees. And he got pneumonia and couldn't breathe and died. Osteoporosis is a big problem. I think part of it is sedentary lifestyle. Um, Part of it is genetic. But what they do is they put this x-ray type thing through the bones. And they're able to tell you how strong your bones are, how much calcium is built up in the bone, which is a really good thing. And then if it's really low, there are a lot of treatments out there. Um, reclast is one. It's not for everybody. Make sure you ask your doctor about it. But that's an infusion of a, a medicine that causes your bone cells to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of side effects, uh, possible side effects. Um, there's one that's commonly used, and I'm having a Joe Biden senior moment <laughs> right yeah, now. It happens. Oh, my gosh. I, dr- I prescribe this drug all the time, and it is taken once a week. And it um, will stabilize your bone, but it won't improve necessarily the, uh, the bone density. If somebody out there knows what this medicine is, please, I'll look it up in a second. I can't believe I can't remember it. You know? Anyway, a senior moment. You'll double check yes. before you write a script for it. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, Absolutely. that's good. Debbie, does that help? That is, yeah, it really does because, like I said, I. Uh, um, do stay on top of my health, but at the same time, you know, I was kind of thinking, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, it's good to get those done. And it's also good to get a colonoscopy. Now, I know everybody's terribly afraid, not everybody, but a lot of people refuse in my practice to get a colonoscopy. I just raised my hand. It's a real good thing. (laughs) Um, What they recommend now is at age 45, it's down from age 50 because we have so many young people dying of, of colon cancer. And what they do is they put you to sleep. I mean, if you go to the right place, they use Michael Jackson juice, oh uh, which is propofol. I can yes. remember that drug. Sure you and can. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's a great experience. Um, it's a white liquid. It looks like milk. <laughs> there is no chance It is a great, a great experience. You want to know why it's a great experience? Why? You go to sleep. I'm looking at this really nice guy. Um, <laughs> it could be a, a woman who's giving me this infusion. He's called a nurse anesthetist. And I'm like, Bye. And boom, and then a minute later, I mean, a, a moment later, yes, yes. you wake up, and yeah. you're all done. And there's no discomfort, there's no knowledge of the experience. You yes. don't have it. Yeah. And let me tell you, it can save your life. Um, I think, okay. you know, you get it, and you have polyps, you should get it again in a few years. If you don't have polyps, it's every 10 years. I will say this, if you're 90 and yeah. unless you have bleeding at your rectum or anything like don't get a colonoscopy on a routine basis, okay? Okay. That's been shown not to help. And when you're 90, your colon gets thin. And let me tell you, oh one of the my. worst things that can happen hey. from a colonoscopy is when you poke through the colon. And when that happens, I mean, you know, it's terrible because all that bacteria get into the uh, interior uh, of, of the belly and it can cause a horrible infection and it can kill you. 
Debbie, is that uh, pretty much a good list of things for you? It is, and you really should get your colonoscopy. All right. And I, Debbie, I, I, thank you. Thank you. I know you're on my side. I just want you to know that from this side of the— Okay, uh, wait a minute. I found it. A lendronate. A lendronate. Right. Gosh. The, uh, from this Debbie, side, do you forget things? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. All the time. But you know what? What? Actually, it does come back just like it came to you. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. Do you know how it came to me? I got the computer on right here, and I oh. looked it up. I, I prescribe well, this all the time. I can tell you 70 milligrams. Once a week, yeah, and I couldn't remember the name of it. And what he spell it? What he did was type in some really weird phrase, it thing said, that I give to people for. No, and then he typed no, in. I typed in, "What's the name of the medicine I wanted to tell Debbie?" That's, and it came up. Came up. <laughs> yeah. All right, Debbie, you got your you got your list of things to take care of. I do. Since it's Thank a long weekend, remember to uh, you know in the next couple of days get your oil changed on your car every thirty five hundred miles. <laughs> hey, okay? wait a minute! I never changed the oil. I've yeah. got an electric car. Yeah, he. T- All right, Debbie, I gotta go. We gotta All right, go. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. so this uh-huh. California teacher took off her mask, mm-hmm. and half the class got sick. Well, it was only in the front row. Yeah. Okay, so these were kids. The kid, none of the kids got sick. Okay, so you had a 24-person uh, um, uh, class. Yeah. And she was reading, and she took her mask off. Now, what's to me the worst thing about this is she was sick. Okay, uh. she came in with the sniffles. We talked about this earlier. If you've got the sniffles, please don't think that it's just allergies, especially right. if it's not the allergy season. It's so easy to get a test. Now, everybody says, I don't want to take two days off of work for this. Take it, okay? Because what's the reason? The kids didn't get sick uh, that much, um, but what could happen? The kid could go visit grandma who's got an autoimmune disease or who has heart failure and hypertension. Now, the big thing I hear from everybody is masks don't work. Now, you know what I used to say? Hmm. You could be right. Okay, there was a study out of, I think, Denmark or the Netherlands or something like that, where they kind of did it. They looked at the areas that had mask mandates and the areas that didn't. Yeah. And the ones that had the mask mandates versus the areas that didn't didn't seem to have a difference in the rates of infection. Yeah. Well, Bangladesh. Have you ever seen pictures of Bangladesh? No. It's no. pretty amazing. It's yeah. very, very populated. Yeah. I mean, they're just, it's amazing. Well, they did a study, and the guy was from Yale, and they just gave out masks randomly. And they had a pretty good um, compliance with the ones who wore masks. And the ones who wore masks had a very definite lower rate of COVID. Now, is it 100%? No. And you know why? Mainly, it's because people don't wear them right. Right. And they weren't. N95 masks, and an N95 mask can filter a viral particle. I mean, yeah, do I like wearing a mask? Heck no. Right. You know, I, because I wore them every time I did. I did 18,000 heart catheterization and 4,000 pacemakers. Every single one of them I wore a mask. Sure you did. And you know what's interesting? What? It didn't bother me to wear one. Uh, And it doesn't bother me to go to Harris Teeter wearing a mask. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I just don't want to wear one. You know, yeah. now there is a big thing with me about other people wearing masks is I can't understand them. 
Yeah. Now, I have yeah. high-frequency hearing loss. It's nerve damage. I've had it since I was 18 years old. It's not from listening to rock music. Both of my wonderful sisters, Verna Weefald and, and Susan Weefald, have it too. Mm-hmm. And theirs was so bad they had to get cochlear implants, just like Rush Limbaugh. Oh, my. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, Susan is a uh, progressive left wing. I love her to death. I disagree with her pro- <laughs> uh, political opinion. But she was on TV with Rush. NBC News, national TV, because the the cochlear implants were put in. And so they got Rush to talk about his because he was famous. But the guy who had done Rush, the surgeon had done Rush, had also done my sister. So she was on. Wow. It's fascinating. I mean, you think about this. Two people from the – I mean, my sister did not like Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) But anyway, um, masks. So, I mean, if – I can re- I can be totally understanding of what you're saying. Yes. If I can see your lips move. Yes. Yes. And you know what happened with the mask mandates? What's that? The sale of hearing aids skyrocketed. Well, sure. Because people realized that they had hearing loss they didn't know about before, because they could be functional as long as they could look at the person's face and read their lips along with the sound. Okay. Coming up. In the shame moment of the day, mm. Don Lemon of CNN telling people something I don't think. I he think should he's be. a jerk. You do? Yes. I think he's wrong. I think he's a jerk. Really? Okay. That's coming up next on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three is the number. Don Lemon, of, we're having a conversation, polite conversation. You yeah. and I. His show is tanking, by the way. Tanking. It, it should. Yeah. All right. So Don Lemon is talking with his buddy Chris Cuomo, and Cuomo and Lemon were talking about a situation where a woman couldn't get medical treatment because theoretically the hospital had been filled up with people. Right. And as we know, a lot of people are saying, well, this is a uh, an epidemic now of the unvaccinated. Right. And this is what Don Lemon said. Here's how I feel about that. If you're not going to get vaccinated, you don't want to social distance, you don't want to wear a mask, then maybe you don't want to go to the hospital when you get sick. I know that sounds harsh, but you're taking up the space for people who are doing things the right way you and i both agree on this is going to be between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated moving forward in this country and i just think if you don't want to play by any of those rules and then all of a sudden you end up in the hospital i feel bad that you but maybe you shouldn't go and take up the resources from someone else what do you think uh shut your pie hole really yeah i mean think about this okay they're people they're human beings who have read wild crazy stuff on the internet yeah and they've heard things from uncle bobby and betty sue and they're scared they are these people are human beings and maybe they've been influenced by political issues um but they've made a choice right and you know we're supposed to love everyone right and we're supposed to treat everybody with compassion and understanding and you can say, listen, I, I think you should have gotten vaccinated. I strongly believe you should have gotten vaccinated, but you're sick now. Yeah. And you have every right as much as 
anyone else who's been vaccinated, who is a Biden voter, to get treated and to be treated with compassion and to be treated with the utmost care. So I think the attitude of yeah. people like Don Lemon is abhorrent. And, you know, you and know where this is slip, just terrible. This slippery slope is going. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of heavy, okay? And people they've determined now that COVID affects the obese. Right, because of inflammation. Okay. Yeah. But but here's the thing. Can I get treatment now? Uh, is sometime yeah. in the future, or is oh, somebody going to shut me if down? If you had just lost weight, you wouldn't have gotten COVID. So we're going to kick you out of your bed and give it to a skinny person. I mean, come on. And what, let me just say, most people who are unvaccinated, most, yeah, don't get COVID. Sure, okay, that's right. COVID is is not in everybody, although it may have been, but most people don't get sick from it. Now, suppose one of these unvaccinated people is a right winger and listen to the wrong people on the internet, yeah. but has an undiagnosed autoimmune disease. Right. Is it still their fault? Or could Don Lemon say it's that person's fault <laughs> okay. that they got sick with COVID? No. Shut right. your pie hole. You talked me into it. He's not just wrong. He's, what'd you call him? <laughs> a jerk. He's a jerk. All right. And his ratings are tanking. <laughs> Here is Carlton in Fort Worth, Texas. Carlton, how you doing? Hey there. I'm doing great, Dave. Doc. How are you? How are you listening to us? Uh, I'm on your uh, app. Good. Great. How'd you hear about us? Um, Dave yes. does the next show with my son. Sorry. <clears throat> What's that? I wasn't going to bring that up. Dave, you do the next uh, show with... Oh, really? Oh, this is Carlton... Carlton yeah. is Brock Emmons' dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. What was he like as a kid? No, 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 no. Yeah, I want to know. I like him a lot. <laughs> did he have a beard back then? Uh, did he have a beard back? Did then? Did he have a beard when he was young? Oh no, no. Yeah, he looks kind of. He looks like the brawny man. He's really handsome. Uh, yes, he is. Handsome. He good, good genes. <laughs> Carlton, what is your question? I'm going to jump back on the COVID train here for a minute. Yeah, sure. Yeah, now, listen, anything you want to talk about. Okay, and I'll try to be as concise as I possibly can. I yeah. had COVID back in October of last year. It was a mild case. Okay. 66 years old. Youngster. Uh, poker. Um, and like I said, it was a real mild case, so I, I have the antibodies that I've had in my body since then. Yeah. Um, I have... Uh, been trying to keep up with ivermectin and hydrochloroquine and all that yeah. stuff and what yeah. they say you shouldn't do and should do. Um, I am well aware of the three vaccines that are on the market, that the J&J, the Moderna, and the Pfizer. Right. Yeah. But I've got 20% of the people that I work with in my department. I have since retired. I retired last week. Uh, but uh, while I was still there, I had 20% uh, of the people that I worked with who had the vaccine developed Bell's palsy. I had one gentleman that had Bell's palsy was getting over it and then developed Guillain-Barre syndrome. Oh, my. Yep. And he can hardly even walk now. He then all, all these individuals were, were men, and they're over age 55. And the concern that I have, since I've already had the COVID and yep. pushing all the vaccines, should I get a vaccine? That is a great question. Okay, now. 
Um, immunity is not just antibodies. You could have really good and powerful T cells. Let me ask you a crazy question. Not a crazy question. When you were a kid, did you get all your vaccines? You know, the mumps and measles, yep. rubella. You know, yep. they've just found out that those people who have had all their vaccines, the Tdap, tetanus, et cetera, have a lower risk of serious COVID illness. You can still get it, but that may have been one of the reasons. I don't know. Um, it's controversial. So you'll get people who say, I've got natural immunity. Why should I get the vaccine? It is true that if you get COVID, it is, and you've had natural immunity from having the illness, it is less um, serious. But the data have come out that if you've had COVID and you get the vaccine, it's even better in terms of not getting COVID again. Now, let's talk about side effects. Bell's palsy can happen from COVID, and it's an autoimmune thing. It usually goes away with high-dose steroids to reduce the immune reaction. Yes, it can happen from the vaccine. But let me just say, we've given, what, 300, 350 million doses. And we've got about 10,000 now documented bad outcomes from the vaccine. And that includes Bell's palsy. I talk about 2,500 life-threatening or serious illnesses, okay? It's not that much. And if your friend got it, it's pretty rare. But what I'm going to say is that's 0.005%. And so you have to ask yourself, and it's a personal choice. I think the data states that the vast majority of people who've had COVID and get the vaccine later will have greater protection. But that's got to be up to you. And I'm not one of these people like Don Lemon who's going to say nasty things about you if you don't get it. Because I think that it's a personal choice. Right. Carlton, thank you very much for, for uh, listening uh, by way of Fort Worth and the, and the Internet. I love it. Yeah, it's a very good thing. By the way, coming up on Making Your Home Great, we've got yeah. the Jeff Hastings of Burke Brothers Hardware and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier coming up. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio. They didn't hear that, did they? Sometimes what happens on the show is that behind the scenes, Dr. Weefald has an idea of something that he wants to talk about. Yeah. And during commercial breaks or news, he says, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. You're serious about this, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is one of. The most amazing things I've ever heard okay, of. There, we, we mentioned it briefly before. If somebody has a respiratory problem, obviously, you know, getting oxygen into the blood is an issue. We, we've all grown used to the idea that, you know, they're going to put you on oxygen right. in the hospital if you've had surgery. They might put you on a, a mask with, with full oxygen. Mm-hmm. Years ago, they put you in a tent. Yeah. Which I don't think they do anymore. Yeah, oxygen tent. No. Um, there's a new strategy. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's back up a little bit. Okay, so COVID and other inflammatory lung conditions can just destroy the lungs. Sure. They just don't want to work anymore. They're filled with fluid, filled with scar tissue, 
and the oxygen can't get in. So yes. we've talked about this. This is called ECMO, external corporeal oxygen, uh, no, membrane oxygenation. So right. that is right. a heart-lung right. machine. You stick the big trocars, these, these tubes, into your jugular artery. Yeah. Take out your blood, put it through a machine that gets oxygen in, and they put it back in your body. So when you're getting heart-lung surgery, bypass surgery, you had that. No, you were off pump. Pump, that's what they mean. They put you on the uh, heart-lung machine. It's a pump. So there's a lady who was vaccinated in Florida, and she got COVID. She must have had some sort of weakened immune system, and she was waiting for ECMO and died because there were so many people on ECMO, they didn't have enough machines. Well, believe it or not... Uh, there is a method that has been tested, and I think it's ready to go in humans, where they actually put an enema in your rectum, because believe it or not, the rectum is really vascularized. That's why you get hemorrhoids down there. Hemorrhoids are just bulging veins. And so what they were imagining is if you get a fluid in there that is loaded with oxygen, that maybe that oxygen would diffuse across the rectum uh, tissue into those capillaries, those tiny blood cells, tiny blood vessels, get into the oxygen and go up to the body. And guess what? What? It works. Okay. uh, There's a great article, if you want to read about it, in Science Focus, Yes. And uh, I love this picture. No. it's a woman. Don't describe the picture. Well, the woman who has got these jeans on, and she's holding her hands oh, on yeah. the crease. And it, uh, you may be able to breathe out your bum. I guess that's an English yes. uh, article. Yes, bum. That, yeah. you know, and one day it could save your life. So there's a picture of these pigs in a trough. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. And they're smiling. And what they're using is perfluorocarbons. Not if you've ever heard of artificial blood. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah. They developed it. It's a chemical that binds oxygen, just like hemoglobin does. Hemoglobin is the red part of our uh, blood that, when it's oxygenated, turns bright red, and it's inside our red blood cells. Well, what they do is they, they percolate oxygen through this liquid yes. and get it all fired up with oxygen. Yes. And then they put an enema in you and, and they infuse and this and they hold it in there sure and guess what your oxygen levels go up yes and it also takes care of the carbon dioxide because when the carbon dioxide diffuses into the perfluorocarbons remember you breathe in the oxygen yeah you breathe out the carbon dioxide and then you have what we call homeostasis it means you're you're got enough oxygen going sure and so i have a new term for this we're going to call it public enema number one okay (laughs) and that's i think it's a great idea and i think that this goes to show you how awesome medical interventions are sure who would have thunk oh who would have thought of it yes think about it I am thinking about it. In fact, for the rest of the afternoon, there's nothing else I can oh, think Lord. of. I can what? think of climbing okay. climbing a set of stairs, having a cardiac <sighs> event, collapsing, waking up, not having been hooked up to oxygen, but in my mouth, but in other places. You're right. I would say this 
to everybody here, we got to be more comfortable talking about bodily functions. Yes. Now, you can talk about them in a nasty, laughing way, yes. or you can talk about them as a health issue. Right. And I think that I have no compunction whatsoever to talk about them in a non-nasty uh, way. Okay. All right? Well, that's But guess fine. what? what? I'll talk about them in a funny way, too. Yes, you but will. But not on the air, usually. No, not usually. All right, so Duke... University has come up with a test for T-cells. Remind me again why I care about my T-cells. Okay. Remember we talked about this and we've talked about this. T-cells are the white blood cells. And they're not all of the white blood cells, but they're very important uh-huh. in immunity. So you have what's called cellular immunity and you have humoral. Not just funny immunity, but humoral <laughs> immunity is what we call the um, uh, antibodies. Yeah. Okay. T-cells are actual cells. They're by themselves. They're living and growing, and they attack enemies. So, unfortunately, they attack transplanted organs. Right. That's why you give medicines like cyclosporin to tamp down the T-cells so they don't go after your transplanted organ as a foreign agent. Well, the COVID-19 is a foreign agent, and your T-cells recognize it. And yeah. it seems that the old Weefald, if you played in the dirt as a kid, right. you have a stronger immune system because the T cells will attack, and some of them will attack any foreign agent. Yes. So if you've had the Tdap vaccine, if you've had the MMR vaccine, these T cells are fired up and they will recognize COVID 19, both Delta and mm-hmm. Alpha and yeah. Mu, any yeah. of them, yeah. and attack them. And so. One of the reasons why people who may be exposed and who get the infection and have no symptoms is that they may have a stronger T-cell immunity. That's a natural-born killer. And so now Duke, one of my alma maters, uh, I did cardiology fellowship at Duke, has developed a very rapid, simple test to see if you have good T-cell immunity against COVID. And I, I think that's a great idea. Because um, what we can do in the future, I hope, is everybody get this test and everybody get an antibody test and see if you have the antibodies and see if your T cells will react naturally. And then after you get COVID, to see what your risk may be of getting it again is to see if your T cells work. At this point, there's really no way to know what my risk is? No. I think okay, we can calculate it in terms of statistics but what are statistics you know yeah. when they say there are lies damn lies and statistics right i mean you can manipulate data all you want all i would say to you dave is that you are at higher risk than somebody who doesn't have the clinical conditions that you have right and so yeah you just you want to know a number it's like that guy who this that statistician epidemiologist says you eat one hot dog and it takes 34 minutes off of your life i mean Give me a break. You yeah, can't tell that. You that's can't. dumb. Yeah. That guy from the guy from the hot dog eating competition would be would be dead already. Yeah, he had twenty of them. Joey no, how many? Fifty of them? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean fifty of it. I, he does it every year and he wins every year. Yeah, absolutely. The whole idea is that he would be dead already. I think it's pretty it's stupid took... to do that, but anyway. All right. So here's the here's the thing. 
I, I'm curious about this, and it's COVID-related. I'm not sure that anybody could ever answer it for me. They talk about the high risk because of, for instance, diabetes, blood pressure. Is that one of them? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, well, let's just go with those. Oh, heart, yeah. heart blood disease. Blood pressure, history heart. of heart disease, uh, hypertension untreated, a history of stroke, obesity, All right. diabetes. Hyper, hypertension untreated, you well, said. Or severe hypertension on multiple medications. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm taking my meds. Yeah. Every day I take my so, medicine. So your I think risk I'm is on, lower is. than somebody who would be in your clinical condition stratosphere and wasn't taking yeah. their medicine. But um, it's higher than mine. Right. Controlling my sugar is fundamental. Vital. vital. You know, have you, have you asked your doctor for a CRP test? And I don't mean crap. I mean no, CRP. I don't know CRP. I'm CRP is a now. measure of inflammation. Okay, like the erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Can they do it while I'm sleeping like that other test no, you suggested just, just for me? No, it's a blood test. Blood test. Okay. Yeah, and ask your doctor if the CRP is right for you because it can be a measure of your inflammation. Now, it is true that it's not a one-to-one correlation, but people with who come into the hospital with pre-existing high CRP levels, right. pre-existing evidence of high inflammation, do much worse. Much worse. Really? Yes. So anybody out there, it's a simple blood test. I mean, but again, you know, we have to say, ask your doctor if it's right for you. Right. But mine was right. seven, which is very high. Okay. You want it to about two. And I took my cholesterol meds. Yeah. I took turmeric and ginger and, and I, I did some more exercise. Yeah. Um, I cut back on sugar. I'm a sugaraholic. Okay. And I have cut back on smoking. I'm down to about six a day from 20 a day. Um, I'm vaping. Okay. And my CRP now is less than 0.1. That means I, my, infl- my excess inflammation is not there anymore. When we say inflammation, I think of like when I get a headache or when that, my knees hurt. That's inflammation. That's inflammation. Or when you cut yourself and then you don't treat it and it's all red and goopy around it. That yeah. redness is inflammation. Now, inflammation is good in, when you have an infection. Inflammation is essentially, to make it very simplistic, if you're a, an immunologist, you can call up and tell me I'm simplistic. Yeah. But it's the signaling between immune cells saying, come help me. So you have some immune cells yeah. who are fighting an infection, and they excrete these things, interleukins, it's called, or a whole bunch of things that uh, recruit other immune cells. Right. And that's good when you have an infection. It's bad when it's active all the time, and we don't quite understand why. But if you have uh, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, if right. you are obese, if you eat a lot of sugar, um, these things... For some reason, and maybe the immunologists understand, but I don't understand completely, it raises the level of inflammation. And what happens? Your immune cells get activated when they shouldn't. So if you have some immune cells in the lining of your arteries, they're sitting there trying to chug away and clear out that cholesterol, monocytes and neutrophils. If they're activated, they can get hyper. Okay? And then they excrete these... Of these gooey things, um, that's a good term, in the yeah. gooey, that can rupture your plaque. Right. They just make it burst open like a chocolate cherry, and that causes a clot. 
and that causes a heart attack. So uh, remember, I, one of the reasons why you should get a flu shot, why is that? To prevent a heart attack. And why will that happen? That doesn't make sense. It does. It prevents uh, yeah, so, But flu. the point is, the people who get influenza, when they're sick, have a very high inflammatory uh, level, inflammation level. Right. That can rupture your plaque because it activates the quiescent sleeping immune cells and turns them hyperactive, ruptures your plaque because there's so much, you know, pus and glue in the plaque and that clots it off and causes a heart attack. That's one of the reasons right. why more heart attacks occur in the fall and early winter. Because we we congregate at home. I like that. We shelter at home against yes. the cold cold weather and we get we exchange viruses and some of us get sick and they get real sick and the inflammation goes up and if you have a lot of cholesterol buildup, you can have a heart attack. So the vaccines help prevent heart attacks. That's another reason. Well, I, I really am for them. All of the vaccines? All of them. Because if you get, for example, it, not just influenza, if you get pneumonia. So have you had your pneumonia vaccines? I had it two years ago. Yeah. Okay. So I... there's another one you're doing three more years. Okay? okay. And if you get pneumonia, believe me, one of the big reasons why people die of pneumonia nowadays, it's not the pneumonia because the antibiotics in general work. Right. It's that they have pre-existing heart disease, coronary artery disease, and when there's inflammation, which is good to recruit immune cells to kill your pneumonia bacteria, yeah. it can also activate them in the arteries and cause a heart attack. It can also cause strokes. Right. So get your vaccines and don't listen to these crazy people on the internet. Now, there may be people out there who are vaccine sensitive, uh, allergic, for example, right. to the eggs that uh, they grow um, an uh, influenza vaccine in. So I'm not saying you shouldn't check with your doctor. I am. There may be people who should not get vaccines. Right. Um, but if you are healthy or not healthy and you can get a vaccine, I strongly recommend it. Well, this segment has taught me one thing. It's that Dr. Weefald can't do this show without somebody who's just at death's door. You've got to have somebody with so many pre-existing conditions to talk about on the show. Eh, not because, necessarily. All right. You yeah. know, you know I, I like to talk about healthy people, too. I mean, <laughs> listen, what does healthy mean? And I, I think that's a great, it's almost a philosophical question. Yeah. Because we all got health problems. Think about it. Yeah. We all do. And, and one or the other. We are imperfect beings. Yes. And I think one of the problems is that health has become an issue of culpability and guilt. And yeah. because we've been taught that we're not different, we're all the same. We're all little pieces of clay. Sure. And if you get diabetes, it's because you ate wrong. Oh, if okay. you get heart disease, it's because you smoked and you went to Mickey D's and you didn't get off the couch 20 times a day. Yeah. And it's your fault. I have people coming in to see me with breast cancer and they're young. Oh, and they're yeah. crying, rightfully so, and I'm sympathetic, but they say, I did everything right, Dr. Weefall. Yeah. I didn't eat fat. I exercised. I didn't smoke. I got plenty of sleep. Why did I get breast cancer? And it's because of this concept, this false concept, that if we get sick, it's our fault. Okay. And it's not. I mean, what I tell people, the number one reason why you got a heart attack, okay, and who do you blame for your heart attack? You didn't pick the right parents. 
Yes. Okay. And what do they say? I can't pick my parents. I, that's exactly right. So much of the illnesses we have are genetic. They are not your fault. I've got a guy I saw the other day. I didn't get his permission to use his name. He's 99, for gosh sakes. 99. Exercises. Uh, he used to smoke heavily. Yeah. Um, he uh, eats at McDonald's. He does all the stuff except for smoking. And he doesn't drink. He has a girlfriend. Yeah. She's in her 70s. Mm-hmm. They enjoy an active extracurricular life, if you understand what I'm saying. Yes, I, yes, I got and, that. And, you know, he's had AFib and he's had a heart attack 20 years ago. Yeah. Look at him now. Why did he survive to the ripe old age of 99? His mind is sharp as a tack. Yeah. Genetics. It's genetics. And you can, and I, I said to him the other day, how old was your mom when she died? 103. Wow. And how old was your dad? 89. And so, remember, if you get sick, don't believe what people have tried to teach you it's not your fault okay and we're all sick in one way or another and we're all god's children we're all made different yeah and we need to love each other and you need to love yourself very good we'll pick up with bob in raleigh in just a moment on the heart health radio network well you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down Sorry, we're shouting out Bob. Bob from Raleigh, welcome to the radio program. You are on Heart Health, and this segment is for you. And I'm having a hard time pushing the button that puts him on the air. Oh, hi, Bob. That worked. Yeah, what's up? How are you? You know not to ask me that. Yeah, don't don't Uh even ask. No, don't ask him how he's doing. Okay. You'll get a whole long explanation. I'm Uh, breathing. So what's going on? important part. What's going on? I want to ask you about uh, macrocytosis. Macrocytosis. In hmm. particular, macrocytotic anemia. Oh, macrocytic anemia. Macrocy- okay, what does that mean? When you get a CBC, a complete blood count, this is why I don't give to all my patients the numbers. Because there's something called the MCV, the mean corpuscular volume. Okay, and it can be high, okay? So the normal one's about 89 to 90. That's just, don't ask me what the number, but it's, uh, it's just the size, and it's got units. Yeah. When you have no iron, ironic anemia, iron deficiency anemia, the MCV is low, okay? So that's called microcytic anemia. But when it's high, the number one cause, Bob, do you know the number one cause of macrocytic anemia? No. It's a... Low B12 or folic I'm acid. I'm, I'm fine on B12. I just had a run to Okay, it. so yours is high. Your your MCV is high. It's 112. Okay, that's pretty That's pretty high. I know. And what are they doing about it? And the MCH is below range, too. I mean, above range. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Five. Okay. Is your thyroid been checked? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm... Th- I, I'm Somewhat convinced I'm low on oxygen. I did some oximetry runs. Huh. You know, I, I never got above 93 overnight. Uh-huh. Um, Were you a smoker? Yeah. Okay. Um, ah, how about medicines? Do you take any medicines? Sometimes that can do it. Lots. Okay. What about had you lost any blood lately? In other words, did you no. have a bleeding problem? 
Because sometimes uh, when the blood cells come back, they come roaring back, um, they can be larger than normal. Um, this, is, this is chronic, by the way. Yeah. It's been going on for four uh-huh. or five years. Okay. What about, did you, did you have liver problems? No. Okay. How? I keep, that, uh, I keep the enzymes monitored regularly as well. Okay. Did you ever drink heavily? And I'm not being accusatory. I'm just asking. I realize alcohol can be a contributing factor. Right, but yeah. you weren't a heavy yes, drinker. Yes, I drink, but I wouldn't, I mean, I don't drink okay. All right. heavily. And they've checked you for cancer. Uh, I'm not sure. And you've had this for five years, and then you don't have bone marrow cancer, okay? That's, no. <laughs> that's like, you know, if you have a mass in your lung, let me tell you, you have, I had a lady, mass in her lung. They told her you have cancer, just go home. They never biopsied or anything. She came to see me nine years later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's the point. Well, I, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know why. Those are, you know, we, ha- we have lists that we learn in medical school. And they were with mnemonics. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've gone through my list of the common causes for macrocytic anemia. And it doesn't sound like you have any of them. Well, so, keep in mind, I've got the polychondritis for exactly the same amount of years. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they're connected, but... Mm-hmm. I'm not that knowledgeable. Okay. Well, the bottom line is you sound really good. <laughs> Can't it, tell a cover by its book. <laughs> well, <you> just, <laughs> but anyway, you, what, do you take any medicines at all? I take quite a few. Quite okay. a few. Have you looked at whether the medicines you take can lead to that? And I, I, I wouldn't be able to me, tell I've you. Spent, I've spent days and days trying to work this out. Figure. Yeah. See, if the polychondritis is a factor, yeah. then I'm screwed because nobody knows anything about it, uh-huh. Yeah. As, you, as you're well aware. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing okay. So what I would say is just live your life. It's been five years. You can't figure it out. Your doctors can't figure it out. So the best thing you can do is just go about your business and – and get checked, you know, at a regular interval in case oh, something Every is going to. I run the whole numbers, yeah. the whole list. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, for thanks for. And what have you. Yeah. Thanks for calling. You take care. God bless. Thank you, Bob. So I, from the notes of the show, I just have a medicine that I, th- I think it was a medicine you suggested for obesity and for heart disease. It's called tri-exercise. Can I get that? Tri-exercise. Tri-exercise. Do I get that as an oral or is that an injectable? Uh, that's what you do. If remember, we talked about the uh, public enema number one for oxygen. Yeah. So instead of an enema, it's called the end of the shoe. You kick somebody in the butt and get them <laughs> moving. And get a walk around. Let your kids play in the dirt. That's the message and of today. Get off the couch. Get off the couch. All right. Get better. Stay healthy. And spot medical misinformation by listening to this show next week right here. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.